Speaking of which, Tom Fulcher wrote, you are listening to the Radio Rebel Unlock podcast with me, Danny Coffey. Over the course of the next 40 minutes or so, we'll be discussing the prospect of a united Ireland, a border poll, and an aspirational 32-county socialist republic. Now, I maintain that only under a socialist reorganisation of society can we even begin to deal with these basic material problems. To say nothing of eradicating the individualistic, competitive, racist mentality of the people in this country. Only after I feel a redistribution of the wealth in this country, only after we eradicate the exploitation of In this episode, we'll be discussing the hot topic of 2021, a united Ireland. To delve into this topic, we have Joe Matthews of the Yes for Unity campaign, the only active campaign that I know of, well, left-wing active campaign that I know of, on the line. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Hey, thanks for having me. Just to go into Yes for Unity, just in case somebody clicks on this that's not a leftist, can you give us a bit of background on how it developed or how it came about? Yeah, um... I think even around 2016, it was um, after the centenary, you know, we, uh, a number of Republican socialists, um, were just sort of thinking and discussing regarding the ever changing demographics and the prospect of a border poll. And it was becoming very likely, you know, when we seen in 2016, especially because we, we foresee the Brexit situation and what that would happen. So we, um, we discussed the prospect of a border poll and its possibility, and we, we, you know, we came to the conclusion essentially that listen, a border poll is going to happen. Um, the demographics are in its favour, overwhelmingly in its favour. So we thought that you know there has to be a there has to be a Republican and a socialist, um, let's say, momentum within. The border poll campaign because we've already seen from 2016 and 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 after of uh, civic nationalists who don't want much of a change in the United Ireland. They they want to keep it as as it is basically as it is now, you know, because they want to protect the interests of of the few in a post partition Ireland. So what we done was we we came we we got together we discussed it. And uh, we decided, like, okay, listen, we need to launch a campaign here. The campaign, though, needs to have its fundamentals need to be based within the working class community. So our the ethos with getting involved in the campaign was that we need to ensure that working class interests are met in a post-partition Ireland. And, in the, and for that to happen, we needed to ensure that we at least have a seat at the table. Not not us as in the campaign, that the working class need to have a seat and adequate representation at the post partition Ireland table when we just when we start organizing you know what uh, a post partition Ireland will look like. So to begin the campaign, you know, we traveled, um we traveled to Catalonia. We met up with uh, contacts there and this was during the height of their campaign. Um we traveled to Brittany. We traveled to Scotland and it was I think Catalonia was a big one for us um, when we went there, and it was in the height of their of their independence campaign, and we were just overwhelmed with what we seen. Um, we seen the whole community, from young to old, taking part in in independence. And when we spoke to, to our contacts, there are from left wing groups, the, the CUP, 
And they, we, we, we sat there, I remember them and said, listen, how did you do this? Well, you know, what's this about? And he says, you need to ensure that your independence campaign or, or unity campaign uh, gathers every person within the community to get involved. So that's from young to old, your social groups, your sports groups, every aspect of your society need to be involved. And that ensures that, you know, that the mandate for unity or, in our case, independence lies with the masses, it lies with the working class. So when we seen that, we were overwhelmed and we went, this is what we need. And so then we formed, we got together and uh, formed Yes for Unity. Right. You've had meetings across Ireland now at this stage and, and how's the campaign, how's it going so far? How, what's the response been? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's ever changed. There's never, there's never changed an environment that we need to adapt to. Um, so at the beginning of the campaign, um, most of, we, 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 we organized meetings across Ireland, but that was more so based on getting other Republicans and socialists involved and, and, you know, trying to argue why we should be involved in the border poll campaign. I mean, I, I probably don't need to get into it, but I'm sure you're, uh, maybe your readers are well aware that, you know, Republicans are very, Conscious of not being involved in a border poll campaign, and as a Republican myself, I fully understand the reasons why. You know, it's there is Republican principles there that 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 this comes into conflict to. But our argument is that um, we need to adapt to these ever-changing situations to not only ensure that we are that we have a say, but to ensure Republicans' survival within this whole playing this whole game, like. So, the beginning for the first two, three years, the campaign officially started really in 2017. Um, for the, so, for the first two years, three years, you know, we, we went across the country, we organized uh, events, we invited Republicans from every, every, from every quarter, let's say, and socialists. And uh, we wanted to try and, you know, why why we should get involved in the border poll, what the benefits are of getting involved in the border poll, and why it's vital for us to get involved in the border poll, and we also listened to concerns. And we released a document called, um, uh, Irish Unity. It was basically I can't, I can't understand the exact word now, but it was a document. It's on our website, and it was basically a question and answer of you know the questions that were raised within these meetings and our answers to them. Um, so that was the first couple of years, you know. And but also we were also trying to build momentum. We we started canvassing campaigns, so we went into working class areas across the north. It was originally, and we canvassed areas. We canvassed Divis in the Lower Falls, Anadoon. Um, we canvassed parts of Straban and Derry and you know, went door to door and I said, would you support Irish Unity? Got a votes. And we were managed to say, right, you know, it was like 92% of Divis supports Irish Unity. And we went down that road. Um, so the public talks and debates are now, I think, before COVID, we were still on that idea of trying to engage with other groups and stuff like that. But since COVID, it's changed in a way now that um, with We've now realised that this campaign is moving on at a speed. It, it really is. Um, so we're starting now to start our community engagement initiatives. So we're now trying to sort of engage with the working class and what are their concerns, what are their aspirations for United Ireland, and how their involvement is vital to ensure that those uh, aspirations are achievable. You know, we need as many people as possible to be involved in this campaign, and it doesn't doesn't stop at political parties, it doesn't stop at us. The entire working class need to be involved to ensure you know, to ensure that 
what they want is achieved, so the socio-economic aspirations of the working class are achieved post-partition. The trade union movement, have they been involved with it in any way, shape or form so far? Um, there's a group called uh, trade, unionists for United, trade Unionists for United Ireland. Um, they, they've actually they've organised their own events. Um, we, we have met with them. Um, and they were in attendance at the March funeral. Um, they, do, they did send representatives to the public talks and debates. And at all the panels that we've had, we've always invited them and said, listen, there's a seat there for the trade unionists to get involved. Um, they, I think at the minute they're, they must, I'm not sure like whether they're, 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 they're fully sort of mandated to do what they want to do, but there is, I think, an ongoing battle within the trade union movement to support Irish unity. And, you know, part of our campaign is to, um, you know, that workers' rights and it comes with the socio-economic aspirations of the working class, but workers' rights need to be at the very centre of, 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 of a post-partition Ireland. Um, so to answer your question, they are involved, but they're not, let's say, putting their full heart and soul into it. Although I, in saying that, I do know members who are doing that, to active trade unions, who are doing everything they can to make sure the trade unions are involved. But as I'm sure your listeners and yourselves well aware, there's probably a lot of bureaucracy there within the trade union movement who maybe don't want to put their full feet into the, into the company. Yeah, there's certain sections within the trade union movement in the South here which would be, they'd actually be members of Fianna Gael and Fianna Foyle. But there's some really good trade unions, you know, in, in the South here. We had the right to water unions and that, that would be uh, progressive in their outlook. But the questions that are coming up, I presume an All-Ireland Health Service free at the point of use and those types of uh, things would be coming up on the doors. They're the questions that have been brought by working class people, is it? That's mostly what you'd be hearing, is it? And what are the questions would you, what, what are the aspirations would people be looking looking towards? Yeah, um, to put it simply, you're 100% right. I believe and we believe that Irish unity will be won on, on the uh, health service vote. That's that's a given. Um, and I think that works on both sides. I, I, I can't I, I can't get too much into it because it was, it was private conversations, but oh, we right. have actually met and engaged with loyalists and unionists, um, senior figures within loyalism and unionism, um, yes, unity have, and we spoke to them, we sat down with them, and we, you know, they've, they've said that, you know, um, listen, we, we don't support Irish unity, but there's a really interesting comment that we got from them. They says, and I'm not sure where it came from or the truth that I never really looked into it, but they say that, uh, not paying, not paying for your health service is a Protestant thing. So, you know, we were like, right. So it, it shows you the it shows you really that that is going to be the core for both communities. I believe that if we can promise that a health service, an All Ireland health service, will be better, let's say, because the NHS isn't the best at the minute, you know, it's been underfunded, it's been destroyed essentially. But if we can promise that an All Ireland health service, be at the point of entry, um, fit for purpose, and modern, is. Uh, is, is guaranteed, then we will win, I believe, that a substantially, a substantially winning margin from the Protestant Unionist Loyalist community. But it doesn't just stop at them. You know, we went to doors in hard line work, uh, Republican areas in the North. And they've said to us, you know, we've actually got, I, I remember 
speak to one person and say, listen, I go to Champagne, but I wouldn't support it for United Ireland because I don't want to pay for the health service. This, this is crazy. Like, so yeah, it, it's going to be the winning, it's going to be the winning argument. And I think then that brings in a whole different sort of political, um, a whole different political debate because, you know, there's certain sections of the, of the, of the Irish United campaign and it's frightening. Um, have already kind of said is that the EU have already extended their hand and says if the six counties joins the twenty six counties, you, you, you get into the EU. So the EU have already put their constitutional hand out and says you know and they've already played their card. So a lot of the civic nationalists and Republicans are have straight away without thinking of the consequences have took that hand and says brilliant, we'll go with this. But you know, what Yes Unity are saying is, hold on a second, everything needs to be on the table because number one, is an All-Ireland uh, National Health Service, is it allowed under EU rules? You know, and no one's been able to answer that question because, they, you know, they said, oh, but, you know, there's other countries in, in Europe that have a health service, a National Health Service free at the point of entry. I said, yes, but they've always, they've always had it. The EU has strict rules that a country can't go further in the nationalisation without financial repercussions. Well, so, the, you the, know, the, the, sorry to cut across. The EU is a very neoliberal. What 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 article? It, was, it came up during the water charges, and he was. If something comes up for commercial, it's commercialized. It stays commercialized. Yeah. That's the way it is. That's one of the problems I would have with it, though. It's the it's the EU narrative that's taken over. Well, Britain have voted for Brexit. Now they're out of the EU. Wouldn't it be all better if we we all went into the EU? But there's a lot of problems with the EU. But now it's if you're outside the EU or you have any type of reservations about the EU. Like I, I remember during the the Greek campaign when they were they, they had that referendum against austerity, there was two hundred thousand people without electricity at one stage. You only seen there recently with, uh, in the north um, with the protocol and the Article sixteen where they were prepared to leave people without vaccines in the north. Uh, you know that's the the nature of the EU. Like they they really just it's it's about a trading block and and rich capitalists, and they really don't give a shit about yeah. uh, ordinary working class people. But um, yeah. is that getting across in the debate? Because you you have got what you call that guy, uh, our former Taoiseach Bertie Ahern, is now involved in uh, calling for a united Ireland, and you have all of these people that really never give a shit about a united Ireland ever uh, until it was. Uh, Economically, uh, the EU said said so. Like the narrative is coming down from them, and well, you've you've left the EU now, so the EU is going to punish Britain for their transgressions against them, and there's that the whole thing is going to be nasty, and so Irish capitalists are going to take the side of the EU because it's more beneficial to them. But is that getting across to working class people on the doors, and people are realizing this? Are they, or is it, uh, or, or are they just swallowing the narrative of the uh, the establishment narrative? Well, you see, I'm on the EU. Um, um, yes, unity in its essence are born out of a document called uh, Britain out of Ireland, Ireland out of the EU. But uh, yes, unity in itself, we're not. Let's say we're not calling for you know as. A, the whole concept of yes unity isn't us telling them, you know, our only, our only objective is to ensure that a post-partition in Ireland meets the social economic needs of the working class. So, when it comes to the EU, what we're saying is, we're not, not saying people like, listen, get out of the EU. Now, I'm saying it, you know, but what we're saying is that these people who are, as you're quite rightly, you know, they're, they're, they've just took the hand of the EU and said, brilliant, look, 
we'll get back into EU. And now you have certain sections, as you pointed out, of uh, Republicans and Nationalists and others, such as the Alliance Party, basically uh, trying to win Irish unity via the EU, saying, look, I'm only voting for United Ireland because I want to get back into the EU. What we're saying is um, that, no, the EU argument and the EU debate and conversation needs to be part of the Irish unity conversation. It, it cannot be a given. We cannot go to, we cannot uh, win a Yard Ireland via the EU. And people argue in that case, he says, you will not win, you're not going to achieve what the working class need in a post partition Ireland because the EU, as you said, is an neoliberal organisation. Uh, but I mean, the, the issue is we're entirely based on working class communities. Now you go and the likes of like we go into the beach mount there parts of Derry, Saban, you know, and you say the word neoliberalism, people will look at you and go, no, what are you on about? So it, it's part of our job to to put it in as simplest terms as possible, but we have to be very careful that we're not going down. It's a fine balance that we're not arguing for Irish, we're not arguing against Irish unity and you know and 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 getting involved in the EU. But I mean, what I would what I would believe is that like if you want a, a healthcare service, a national health service be at the point of entry in a post-partition Ireland, well, that's fair enough, you can't be a member of the EU, because the way the current civic nationalists are approaching this is, if you read their documents, it's quite frightening. Um, you have a 26 county Ireland, basically, part of the, the protocol and the EU have accepted this, is the six counties vote yes on a border vote, the six counties will just simply join the 26 counties, and the 26 counties will remain as it is, a constitution and in every shape, which means that its health service will remain that shape. What we're all for, no, we want a full revamp, a rechange in the entire constitution of Ireland. And this has to come before post, post partition. That, you know, we win the vote for unity, right? Let's get together. What do we want this place to look like? And it can't be, it can't be a 32 county free state because that's what the EU want. Um, and as you say, if the six counties did join the 26 counties in, in that shape, you can't just go and go, right, Brennan, let's get the National Health Service to the point of entry because the EU are going to go, ah, state aid rules, you're not allowed to do that. If it's, it's already been commercialised, you can't go further into nationalisation. And if you do, there will be state aid consequences against your country. So we want to basically pull everything out and say, right, we're starting from fresh here. This is actually a new Ireland. This is what we find interesting with, these, with, this, with the likes of, I mean, Sinn Féin are saying it. All the parties are saying this. They keep saying New Ireland, New Ireland, New Ireland. But at the same time, they're saying, uh, we're, we're going to go down this constitutional road. They say, well, it's not a New Ireland then. It's a 32 county free state. So this is, when you say it, are, are we getting this through at the doors? The answer is probably no. Um, it's still, it, it's going to be part of the, camp- the wider campaign as we move along. Don't forget, we've only started the, move our, move our, or let's say, or scope on to the actual the community initiatives. So now it will come to the point where these arguments will be put across. Now we're not coming, we're not burning any flag saying, you know, we are the EU. What we, what we want is, is the EU debate, the conversation and decision to be part of the Irish unity, the conversation in the same respect and manner that the Irish unity, uh, debate has. I mean, I spoke at an, I spoke at an event and, and, and said about the, the anti-EU stuff. And you're looked at, you know, as if, what's that guy on about? You know, and they're, they treat you with complete disdain when you do say it at times, you know, because they're thinking, well, you're, well, you're Brexit here, are you, uh, you know, are you a Tory? They know I'm not. <laughs> so, 
what we're asking for is that respect to be part of the campaign, you know. So to put it simply, the answer is no. It's that message isn't getting across, but it's right. something now which we're definitely going to turn the scope to. Like, yeah, I think that needs to be brought into the the argument. Um, I was listening to a. An interview with, is it Sophie Long? She was in the PUP. She was one of the kind of a progressive, um, unionist. Um, is it Sophie Long? She was arguing that about the, the South's tax haven status and corporations don't pay any tax and that's why we can't afford a health service and all of this. I agree with her on almost everything apart from the whole idea of, you know, that she wants to be, stay part of the union and, uh, on the whole the national question, but I found that interesting, her her whole take on it. Your experience of talking to unionists about a united Ireland, how has that come across? What reaction have you got from the unionist community? Um, well, our engagement really hasn't been with, uh, let's say, the big house unionists. Our engagement has been with uh, the, the PUL community, with the loyalists, you know, from working class areas. That's where our engagement has came from. Um, so they, it's it, it's been a mixed bunch, and, and you know the sad thing I believe about unionism and, and loyal or loyalism is that they're utilised when unionism needs them to be utilised, and we can see that now. Like you know, when unionism is in a big trouble, they've, they've they've shut themselves in the front here, and now they're starting to try and bang the war drums here. They get to stir up loyalists to you know, you know they're coming after you, they're coming after you, but. The engagements that we've had with law, and I'm talking when we say loyalists, and we've engaged with the hardline loyalists. We're talking ex-prisoners of loyalists. Um, we've also engaged with a number of, of clergy from from the Protestant community, and it's been it's been very interesting to be honest with you. Um, we had an event last in 2019, and there was about 60 people at it. Majority of them were loyalists, and they were from various groups, ex-prisoners to young people, and all that. And there wasn't any hostility towards the prospect of the United Ireland, and there was no argument put against it. it you know, we said that, and I, I said this to them, I said that, you know, I would have more in common with a Protestant uh, loyalist from the Shangle than I would with someone from the Malone Road, who the Malone Road is, is, a, is a rich suburb of Belfast. And I said, my dreams and aspirations for the United Ireland is the same as yours. Um, we've also said that, listen, your culture, your political, your culture, your, your your identity and your politics are, are, are have every right to exist in a post-partition Ireland. Their culture, people I think sometimes in the South uh, even though it's laughed at to an extent, you know, culture to them is a big thing and even though it comes under a lot of confrontation in the North and there's issues there um, you know it, it means a lot to them and if that's protected in a post-partition Ireland, you know it, it says a lot. So I think it's it's been a mixed bunch. Like I mean, because of the recent events and unionism stirring up, I say if we held that meeting now, we might get a different angle. You know, they might say no, and they might say we don't give a shit what they say. You know, we will not support a United Ireland. But I think, as they say, as we said previously, it'll be one on the socio-economic aspects of it, and if we can protect our cultural identity. I mean, I had a guy at the meeting, and he asked me. He said, "I'm British." He says, you can't do anything to stop me from being British. I'm British. I live here in my country. And I says, I said, that's, that's 100%. He says, the same way as there's a, you know, there's a, a vibrant Polish community, Romanian community, you name it, in the south, in Dublin or wherever. 
I say use will be exactly the same. Use will allow you to have the cultural identity. In fact, it'll probably be we'll we'll push it to make it part of the, the fabric of what will be in United Ireland. Um, and you, you we're not going to stop you from from your marches unless, of course, that they you know they get in the way of nationalist areas. But so it's all I'd say. It's been a mixed bunch. But I, what I would say is, and I believe this, is that I will, if, if the argument was put properly in socio-economic terms and also cultural for the Protestant community, there would be a significant amount of that community who would vote in favour in Ireland. Maybe not publicly, but privately. Because I, they, you know, I think even the, what the what the damage the Tories have done to them in the last number of years is, you know, they don't have any trust anymore in London. You know, so it's up to us to ensure that that trust, they they trust us in the post-partition Ireland to ensure that their needs are met as long as well as everybody else. Going back to that interview I was listening to with, um, it, I think it's Sophie Long. Uh, she was in the PUP. I think she's an independent uh, loyalist now. Um, she said that there wouldn't be any trouble with dissident groups or loyalist groups because MI5 had infiltrated them so much that they can turn them off at will. And Simon Carswell, which is the Irish Times, um, he was doing the interview and he made the point that, well, if they can turn them, turn them off, they can turn them on. Like, you know, and is, is that a danger? Um, I wouldn't, I, I personally, I don't, I wouldn't want to get into the, the, the thing about the MI5 turning on, turning off groups, um, because, and I, I, it, it, it'll call it, it, you know that sort of conversation will cause complications. Um, but to answer the question, would violence be an issue? Um, potentially, I I believe who who knows what they're capable of. Um, you know, and it definitely and it certainly isn't beyond the British establishment to uh to carry out attacks. You know, in terms of you know whether it's false flags attacks or whatever, they've done it before, they'll do it again. Um and you, you know but I believe potentially I mean I, you, you can actually already see it. The the the, the unionists have already uh, started a, a group. Um it's based in London, I think and it's funded by London. If it's gonna be there I, I can't remember the exact name of it. Yes Unity, a member of Yes Unity is actually bringing legal action against it, saying that this is undemocratic but the British government are already funding a pro-union group in, in the north, you know. Um, but I think in terms of violence, violence would have negative consequences for uh, a, a Irish unity campaign, without a doubt. It, it could potentially set us back. Um, and I have no doubt that the British establishment will do anything they can to, to try and make that happen. But you have to look at other campaigns, now, I think, around the world, the likes of Catalan, uh, even if you look at Scotland now, I think our biggest probably fear is that there's other tactics that they they can employ now. And these tactics are so are mostly online based. I mean, we can see it in 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 Scotland with the Alex Salmond case. Uh, you know where they're trying to say about this. But I'm not sure sexual abuse or something like that. And there's already people in who support him saying that this is all MI5 orchestrated. We see it in Catalonia when the Spanish government, you know, moved against the leaders of of the independence campaign. They they could potentially do something similar here, but we don't know what form that could come in or could come in, in an array of forms. Um, but I certainly wouldn't pay to the tune of if there's arm. I mean, I've already heard seen uh, unionists say this, and they're saying a United Ireland isn't worth 
a dead body. So, you know, the, there's a potential that, you know, that, yeah, the British government might try and, you know, create dead bodies so people go, look, this isn't worth it. You know, this isn't worth all the hassle of another decade of violence. So uh, it's hard to answer what tactic they'll go down, but certainly the British government will deploy a tactic to stop the Irish unity in one shape or form. Or if they know that they're beaten and the Irish unity is coming regardless of what they do, they will definitely attempt to ensure that, let's say, they have a hand in any post-partition setup. If a border poll is lost, where does that leave the Irish unity movement then? How do you see it progressing after that? Because I, I suppose you could look at Scotland, I suppose, and they're now in a position that they can do it again. But would it go down the same route or would it just hold it back for decades more, Irish unity, if, if the border poll was lost? Um, well, I think the answer to that is, I mean, I'm an Irish Republican and I would be classified as an anti-Good Friday, anti-Good Friday agreement Irish Republican. Um, but within the border poll um, aspect, there's a, there's a rule in there that after, you know, if, one, if one's called, say, tomorrow and it's beat, you can call for one every seven years. That's in the in the terms, so there can be one every seven years. But this is what this is where I think where we are different to other groups is that me as an Irish Republican, I am not you know I am not a, a border poll activist. I'm an Irish unity activist. So a border poll to me is just a key to the door. It's another tactic that we're going to employ if the Irish unity, if sorry, if the border poll is big, um, it doesn't it, it, leave, it doesn't leave us in any bad condition. I, I, we and I, we don't owe the state nothing. Um, we will simply won't go. Ah, that's it. We're bit. That's it. We'll we'll go home now. You know, that's it. We'll we'll keep building and we'll you know and we'll see where it takes us. But I believe that the demographics are in our favour. But as I say, quite rightly in Scotland, and we look to Scotland very closely. We have very good contacts in Scotland um, within the campaign there, all under one banner, and you know. They say that it, 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 it's, it'll create a unstoppable momentum and they witnessed it in, in their, in their independence campaign to where they are now. And we believe it'll do the same here. It's, it's unstoppable. You know, once it, the doors open, it's gone. Even if it's beat the first time, the second time, it'll eventually get through. It'll eventually get through and win. Um, but at the minute, I mean, of course, we'll be focusing on winning the first time and, and campaigning. But I think what, what this is about is, it, what I'm trying to say is, the border poll is simply just one one aspect of what we are. We're Irish unity activists, and we'll do anything to achieve Irish unity. Whatever the ter- the times uh, tell us is the best form to take. But right now, it's a border poll. It's there. It's you know, and we have everything in our favour. Do, so, no, do you see? Do you see about the border poll? Like uh, I suppose there's, there's various polls that have have been done in the last few weeks or months or that. There is definitely a shift towards that. I think um, Sinn Féin were, were the largest party, according to a poll, in the um, in one of the papers there recently. There's definitely a shift, if you look at the polls, and the polls are correct, there's a shift into the 50 plus 1 for Irish unity in the, in recent times. But you're, you're seeing that on the... The campaign is seeing that it's a winnable campaign. Are you seeing oh, that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, this is, when you even look at the, I mean, polls are polls. We all know polls can be inaccurate, but they are definitely swinging in our favour. And, you know, if you take them all into account, there's definitely a growing trend for our unity. 
But what, what, what I believe is the most interesting aspect of these polls is when it comes to the Irish Union, debate, there's two sides to the argument. There's the pro-union and there's a pro-united Ireland. The pro-united Ireland side hasn't even really begun campaigning yet. You know, there isn't any real major campaign. It hasn't started. Whereas the union side, what else have they to argue for? You know, the union is here now. This is their argument. So they can't add up. They can't turn around and say, the pro-union side can't say, oh, listen, this will get better. Because it won't be because the Tories are just going to keep cutting and cutting. It's their, it's their very nature. You know, so their, their campaign is on show now. This is all they have. Well, the Irish Unity campaign hasn't begun yet. We still haven't got out of the, out of the traps yet. Like, you know, we're, what we can promise still hasn't been articulated in, in, in any proper shape or form right now. So we're already, we're slightly behind, I think, in the polls by a surprising margin. But if you take into consideration that we haven't even started yet, you know, it's it's monumental. And I, I would firmly believe that in the first poll, I would be, I think that if, if our argument was articulated right, uh, we, we play what we do, or sorry, and we do what we what we can, and you know we engage as many people as possible, which we're already starting to do. I believe the first poll will be won by a margin greater than six or seven percent. So the next stage of the campaign, just to finish up now, what's the next part of your campaign? Is there? I think you've got a Irish unity in the community engagement. Uh, that's the next strategy, is it? Yeah, so our next thing now is starting to, you know, engage with, with the communities and, and it's, it's not essentially, we're still at that stage where we're not like, um, you know, we're not like getting people to register to vote and say, you know, you need to vote for this, you need to vote yes. What we're getting now is we're starting to create the conversations in the communities and within homes. This is always where, this is our bread and butter. Our bread and butter is in the working class communities because the, at the end of the day, it's the working class communities who will successfully win the vote. Um, so our campaign now, it's a unity, Irish Unity Community Engagement Initiative. Um, and it's under the, under the motto of our future Irish Unity. So what it is, is we've, it's actually the first meetings today. Um, because of COVID and all, you know, we've been hampered by COVID greatly because we can't do what we want to do. So we came up with this, what I think the state of the art concept, you know, I don't think it's ever been done by any political group within terms of COVID, but, there's leaflets, and we've put them through. There's five thousand leaflets went through Strabane and Lifford. And at the back of that, at the back of that leaflet, there's a, a unique uh, Zoom login and password passcode. So in this in this uh, newsletter, or sorry, it's not newsletter, it's a pamphlet. In this pamphlet, it just raises questions, very simple questions: for health service, uh, workers' rights, um, housing, and the economy, and what it just so we get people read this, think about it, and then there's a Zoom discussion. And anyone who got the leaflet can log into our Zoom discussion and, and discuss Irish unity, you know, with with each other. And it's not us telling them what to do and what we want. It's basically just raising consciousness. And there'll probably be people on who will oppose Irish unity. Brilliant. Let's have the conversation now. So that's our that's our new initiative, and that that'll probably be well, it'll will be on our long term horizons now, where we're going to start engaging uh, these communities across Ireland. We plan over the next two years to try and reach over a hundred thousand people. And the beauty with this campaign is, uh, it's a leaflet. It goes through the door. So, uh, we're gonna, when we start rolling out per area, uh, anyone can join in and put the leaflets through the door. You might be asked questions, but the, the real conversation happens online. 
you know, it, it'll start getting people out onto the streets and start acti- being active within the Irish community, community and slowly start picking up the, the arguments, the, the conversations for and against. So that's our new initiative. At the minute, it's called the Irish Unity Community Engagement Initiative, but it'll, that'll change. It's just, we're, the, the Straban and Lifford is a trial room, but we do believe it'll be successful and we're going to push it from there across communities and hopefully properly launch it by May, April, May time. Brilliant. And if you want to get involved with the Yes for Unity campaign, where would you go? You have a website and a social media and all that, have you? Yeah, well, we have the website. Um, uh, we have an email contact at yesunity.ie it's on the website and it's also on social media so if you contact any of our of our media outlets so it's email uh, or the Facebook Twitter or um, Instagram I see Instagram as well now if you, could, you can contact any of them and, and, and see where and you know email what you want to be involved in where you live and we'll see what we can do brilliant Joe thanks very much for that anyways thanking yeah, you thanks Danny well that's it from us thanks for listening Denise O'Toole produced Music by Patter Hopkins, Shinee Togaboogie Slonga Foyle.